This is the Patriot Radio News Hour, brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group. For all your gold and silver buying needs, call them at 1-800-951-0592 or log on to allamericangold.com. Broadcast for Friday, September the 9th, 2016. Hey, good morning and welcome to the Patriot Radio News Hour. I'm your guy, Friday, Eric Cedarstrom, and we're rocking and firing from the Hole in the Ceiling Studios in beautiful, vacant Deer Valley, Arizona. It's a great day to be alive, and I hope this finds you well. Football season, the NFL starting. It's a great, great time. I always love this time of year, fall. The leaves are changing. I hope you feel the same. You know, when you consider the alternatives is where you could be, be thankful where you are. People complain about what they don't have, and they should be thankful they don't get what they deserve. This show is brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group, legal, lawful, constitutional tender. Things that you can count on, things that are real, and you put them away and you hang on to them. Call one 800 and get you some. Sitting here with Joe Jaquin, the CEO. I'm your guy Friday, Eric Cedarstrom, former CEO. I get to sit in here and... Uh, Joe allows me to come on the air every Friday, and I get to, well, basically, it's therapy for me. I get to vent the the, the day-to-day craziness that this world has turned into, and things just don't make sense anymore at all to me. I mean, it just couldn't be any more topsy-turvy just about in every aspect of, of our lives. And I know you feel the same. Good morning, Joe. How are you doing? Hey, good morning. Happy Friday. How about those Broncos? I it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Did they win last night? Yeah, they won. They uh, were losing when I. They won twenty-one to twenty. The Panthers missed a a field goal at the end of the game, and uh, let me tell you something about football. And I hate to say this, but it's it really has gone into overload mode. You know, when I was a kid, you had three television stations, and maybe you got a football. Yeah, college football well, game was really. Only, you only had three. You only had one TV. Yeah, one television. Right, it was stations. in the family room. That was it. Yeah, it was, too. That's well, that's weird. I remember we did get a second TV. So, wow, I, I'm, I don't know when we did. I know all my, you know, when I was growing up in Syracuse, up to the time that I was 13, we had one television, and it was in the family room. We my had, parents didn't have a TV in their bedroom. Oh, God, no. Absolutely. Yeah. That was a no way, good no go. Yeah, yeah, no TVs in the bedroom, but... Uh, yeah, I think the reason we got a second one is because the family room was next to the master bedroom. <laughs> so they put a TV down in the living room the other end of the house. You guys go over there. You know what? They Remember, of course, they used to sign off at midnight or so, you know, but they started, this was probably, let me guess, do the time here, in the late 60s, middle of the late 60s, K-Gun out of... K-Gun uh, out of Tucson. did your father yeah, work for my K-Gun? Da- my dad ran that station. Yeah, isn't that something? And we used to watch it. I was probably 10 years old. And they had Friday, Friday Night Madness, they called it. And they'd show Frankenstein and whatever movies till like 3 a.m. You could stay up late. And it was designed for kids. And the guy would come on, and he'd, you know, in the commercial breaks, and he'd go, you know, tell, he'd be he'd pitching the kids, what are you guys doing? Sell this. You know, they'd sell Kool-Aid or whatever. And then the guy, he gets, you want to see your name on television? Go into your room right now and get a crayon. <laughs> And then he, he put a thing up that said, your name here. And you, can, you wrote your name on the TV. <laughs> I bet they station got so many calls oh, the yeah. next morning. <laughs> I never forgot. I was probably eight or nine years old. I did it. You know, the next morning, uh, why is your name on the television? <laughs> <laughs> well, the guy told me to do it. It's not my fault. The power of the media. I knew I wanted to be one of those guys. 
Uh, I forgot our website. If you're brand new, we have a website here, allamericangold.com. You can order on the online. You can do whatever you need, get this thing put away and, and take care of it. The elections, you know, have a tendency, election years are hard. They have a tendency to dominate the news. And they're able to get a lot of things done because people really aren't watching what's going on. You know, North Korea's on their fourth or fifth nuclear test this year. Well, you know what the sad part is, or sad? This one, I think, actually worked. Yeah, they found one that didn't actually blow up them. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we can't get a satellite up in space. Uh, SpaceX, it blows up on the launch pad, but North Korea is, uh, yeah. I saw, you know, they have like a DEFCOM, Defense Com, or whatever they call it. You know, you go to one, two, three, four, five, or whatever. Remember that was in the movie. Uh, Which movie was that? Uh, Matthew Broderick. Would you, you like to play, play a game? game? You know, yeah. War games. War games. There so, you go. I don't know if it's true or not, but I know that there's there's a nuclear clock or something as to where we're at. Uh, what's our chances of a war in in World War Three? That is going up and up and up. Which would only make sense. It, I mean, it really does. You think about where we're at from a an economic standpoint. That that's usually where these big wars come from. Then I mentioned that there's a problem in Greece. <laughs> How long have we been talking about this? I know that whole thing is might fall apart again. Greece, yeah, Greece fire. But here's the problem. Now apparently they need a three billion dollars, like just instantly to make an interest payment. You know what? I think I let me help you people that are listening in Greece, Greece, because this show's heard around the world. Um, grab a hostage, <laughs> and they'll be over there. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. They'll bring one point. All the Iranians. <laughs> they'll bring $1.7 over to a plane. It'll take two planes to make the payment. But back to the future, it was the Libyan. Today, you need the Iranian. Isn't that something? What's that whole deal all about? $1.7 billion in an airplane? Yeah. You think they had to do a Form 8300? <laughs> Uh, what's your Ayatollah? Can we get your social security number? Right. I mean, I gotta, you know, you gotta sign for this. <laughs> for you people who don't know what an eighty-three hundred is, if you want to buy more than ten thousand dollars in cash from any business, not just this business, but any business, by law, that if you bring them more than ten grand, then you gotta do an eighty-three hundred. Go down to the car lot, and you want to fork out yeah. cash for a brand new whatever. Yep. Buick. Private parties don't have to do it, but. Uh, all businesses are required to. Or you can take them down to the bank and have them get a cashier's check. Which, uh, your choice. Try Matter of fact, I've got a whole... Try doing I that. Just, i just got a whole stack, but I have those forms part of my... Uh, what was that requirement? Remember, was the Patriot Act required us to do it. And we have to keep a whole thing on file. We have to keep a money laundering file. Yes, the money laundering file. That's where my Form 8300s are. And know your customer. And that's a law, the Patriot Act, the ba- and that's a banking law. It's called the Know Your Customer Law. Interesting. Patriot Radio News Hour, the blind leads the stupid every Friday right here. Stay with us. You're listening to the Patriot Radio News Hour on a Friday. I'm Eric Cedarstrom. For two decades plus, I did this radio program five days a week. Now, Joe does it. Um, he just does a great job hard to get the news out to you every day and uh you know every now and then things happen to you on the air that are kind of funny once i was doing a radio show and some of you guys remember that i was leaning back 
in my chair, and I fell out of it. <laughs> well, just now when I opened the show, I had a glass of water, and I just spilled it all over. <laughs> Listen, you're getting older. But the you know, the, the objects in the mirror. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, everything got washed, including me. <laughs> um, well, you know what? The I, didn't skip a a beat. I didn't skip a beat. Why are you going? You never know. Joe's answering the phone. I'm, I'm, he goes, here, you open the segment. Water all over me. By the way, Paul said hello. Hi, Paul. How you doing? And, and uh, he's one of those guys. I love it when he calls because he he may actually have a deeper voice than I do. Yeah? yeah. You do have a deep voice. You know, he's got that radio voice. Which is amazing because you're only four foot eight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? So what is it? I'm like 5'11", almost six foot tall. I'm at my youngest son's football practice last night, and all of these kids are making fun of me. Why? Because, oh, look out, you're a, you're a midget. You're a little person. Yeah. I mean, these kids are enormous. These kids are big. Yeah, the, 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 the gene pool is mutating. The, uh, I went to an uh, Oregon game, and I was walking up Oregon ASU oh, 10 years ago, and I was walking up the... The, the way early, and I thought I was walking behind the Oregon football team because they were these kids are all six five, big, big, big. Uh, uh-uh. uh, it was the uh, the uh, cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> the <male> cheerleaders. <laughs> the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders are bigger than we ever thought about. Uh, I'm going to tell you, you know, our best linemen on my son's team. These are 13 year. All of the boys are 13. A few of them have turned 14, but most of them are just 13 years old. He's my. He's about five eleven, two hundred and forty pounds at thirteen. And I mean, this kid is not fast. He is just, just big, big, big kid, big kid. Wow. Well, yeah, they're out there, man. And, and our, I remember in high school, our biggest lineman, my senior year of high school, came in at like two ten. Yeah, well, that's kind of normal what it was. You know, you get the 250, 260s, but the guys were not very fast. Right, they were right, just big. So, yeah, and it's something. It, it has mutated. I agree with that statement. Interesting observation. We were talking about uh, heading into the break, open the segment, Greece needs $3 billion. Well, um, it, it just right now, right? That's just right. to get through this month. Right, right, just a, another bailout. And, you know, we need a bailout here. The real estate markets in the upper end in New York City, did you see that? The collapsing Manhattan, they're starting to come apart. But really don't watch that. I mean, if you look, if you go back to the to the crash of 08, watch, and they did that, the movie about the real estate market crash, they start in Florida. If you go to the Great Depression, start in Florida. You want to watch the Florida market. And the reason why is, is because East Coast, where the financial hub is, New York, you know, and Manhattan, and where... You know, it's the world's epicenter, supposedly. We all know it's Beijing now, but it used to be the world's epicenter, the financial district in New York City. And, of course, when everybody did good, they bought a second home in Florida. I'm from upstate New York, and you couldn't be, I mean, that was the American dream. My grandparents were prime examples. You know, my, my grandfather was a postman. After uh, World War II, he became a postman. And you think about, here he is working for the post office. My grandmother didn't work. Right? That was how it was back then. And they were able to have, obviously, their house in Syracuse. 
And it wasn't, listen, it wasn't anything spectacular, but they had a condo in Florida. And that's what you did. You spent the winter in Florida, and you spent, and then when winter was over, you came back to Syracuse, and, and I mean, everybody was, you know, able to do that. If you worked for Cross Hines, or you worked for Ford, you worked for Carrier, uh, you worked at the post, I mean, everybody could do it. Think about that. Think about the world that it used to be, all the American stuff, everything made in America, everybody working. You really think we'll get it back? Ever? You know, it's funny. How can people vote against that? That's what I don't understand. you got a guy running going, let's put America back the way it used to be, and the people are like, nah. That guy's crazy. I don't think so. He doesn't so. know what he's talking about. I don't think so. No, I, we don't. Or I don't want my children to have to. I don't want that job back. jobs, yeah. You know, work here? No, no. So do you think we'll get to the point where you can work at McDonald's and have your home and your state and then have your vacation and also vacation, retirement, home, whatever it may be, in Florida? I still haven't figured out why the Teamsters have not organized McDonald's, Jack in the Box, Arby's, and made them the most coveted jobs in the, in the country. You know, I, I don't get it. I don't understand how they haven't done it. So, Sir, I'd like to put ketchup on your hamburger. Right. But I'm not allowed to because of the union rules, and the ketchup putter on her is on a smoke on break. break. Can you pull over? We'll be with you in about 15 minutes. Oh, by the way, your order's 86 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> but go, go stand next to Vinny, and he'll let you know when it's ready. Scottsdale Community College, circa 1977. I took a business class. And they did. They showed a movie on the the UAW and the demise of General Motors. But you know, and '73 they hit their peak. So just four years later, remember everything was coming apart. No more high horsepower cars. You know, the, they had the second fuel crunch. I mean, everything. And uh, so they're interviewing interviewing this this UAW worker, and he goes, "What's your job, sir?" He goes, "I drive the cars off the line and park them in the parking lot." He goes, "Is there ever anything wrong with these cars?" And the guy starts laughing like he blows water out his nose. <laughs> he goes, heck yeah. He goes, the other, just the other day a steering wheel came off in my hand. <laughs> I need hazard pay. And he goes, he goes, did you report that? No, that's not my job. <laughs> that's what the guy said. So, you know, that same that same class, a guy came in and said, and, uh, a stockbroker came in and addressed the class and said, you know, if you were going to make an investment, what would you make right now? New company starting up called Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's. 1977. Look it up. Oh, they're still here. So that, and I had a chance. I'm not very smart, let's face it, but I had a chance. To, a buddy of mine was starting a bottled water company <laughs> in the in the 70s, and I'm like, what for? It comes out of the tap. You know? Free. Right. I mean, why? who in the world would buy water? Yeah, mistake. <laughs> so, I mean, it's amazing. You know, it's so funny you bring that up because this is a one, one of these other things that, you know, you've got to pick your battles now, right? As uh, all of us that are married and you got kids, you, you just, you got to pick your battles. So we have this, uh, I don't know what you call it, reverse osmosis system. And, of course, the refrigerators now all have the filters built into them. And yet, you know, and I always get get a glass, get the ice, and I... Uh, get the water out of the reverse osmosis system that's near, next to the sink. And yet my kids, bottled water. Isn't that something? Bottled water. Bottled water. Mom, we're out of bottled water, and they're all upset. I'm like, it, 
comes right out of the refrigerator, doesn't cost nearly as much, but you know what? I can't have that argument. They won't hear it. Isn't that something? Well, they've done a great job. Look at that. It's now part of a life. They won't drink anything but bottled water. You can put anything in it, too, but they'll drink. Yeah, they'll drink it. If it's, if, but just like Nestle, they're going to bottle water right here in Phoenix. You know, it's weird at my house. Uh, you never know what you're going to hear So on this program. My house, though, my well is down 800 feet. You heard that right. You people in Colorado that hit water at six feet. <laughs> Washington, we hit water at four feet at our ranch. But, yeah, 800 feet. My well, my well is down, and the water is incredible. It comes up out of the ground ice cold in July, and that's all I've drank. For I lived in the house uh, 12, 13, 14 years, and I... Has it been that long? I don't know if it's been that long. So, 04, 6. 12, 12 years. Almost yeah. 13. Yeah, it'll be our 13th Christmas coming up. That uh, So I'm kind of hooked on it. And we have a shared well. My neighbor, English Bob, he's, he's talking about him on the air. He moved back. He's talking about an expat. He's expatriated from England. And then he got so tired of paying U.S. taxes. Now he expatriated himself from the U.S. Now he's a Mexican. <laughs> but he stopped by. I sold his house a couple of years ago. He stopped by. He goes, can I have a glass of water? He's hooked. So I don't know I what's in the water. There's nothing wrong with me. I've never had whiter teeth. <laughs> Could be a little radiation. So I've only been drinking it for a dozen years, so I don't know. Anyway. Maybe right. my kids are smarter than me. Who knows what's in the well, water? Well, I guarantee you. Whatever they <laughs> Are your kids and our wives. So Because no. we don't know anything, let's face it. So. It's true. It's true. <laughs> So anyway, you've been talking all week. I wanted to address, because you've done some really, really, really good shows. And by the way, Keeter, I want to say hi to Keeter. He listened to you last Friday, and he goes, you know, Keeter, 70-something. He goes, he goes, your nephew has is, is, uh, matured quite a bit on the radio. So it was a great compliment. They said, every, and, and my sister Laura, I think, said something to you. You're doing a really good job. So I wanted, hey, thank you. I wanted to get And I apologize for yesterday. That was not our fault. What happened yesterday? The phone. Oh, okay. it, once a I don't know what CenturyLink does, or Quest, or whatever they're called now, but once a year, I go to pick up the phone, and it doesn't work. And Homer was here. Homer, he, he hasn't experienced that. You know, we've always had that problem. And he's like, I think it's the phone. I'm like, well, yeah, you're right, because the phone, something just sits here, right? But it's the phone. So I actually, to appease him, I got another phone to plug it in and, and have it not work. And then I called Quest, and you know that you can, a I actually got the repair done without speaking to a human being. Right on the phone. What do you do? Just press, you dial the number, they, you press, 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 you enter the phone number of the line that you have the problem with, and then they can automated voice, we are running the test. And then the test results came back. We need to schedule a repair. And they did. Well, that's the world we live in. My little brother used to fix ATMs. Now he fits scanners. Yeah, now he's making a fortune. You know, the ATM business kind of faded, but, uh, um, you know, once I went with him to a grocery store, he was based out of Utah, and he goes, watch this. And the ATM's right behind the cash register, a little bank, huge thing on the wall. He just oh, gets the key and opens it. And there's, you know, I go, how much is in there? He goes, I don't know, a couple hundred grand. And the people gathering, like, <laughs> 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 let me, I, you know what, you want to know, right? Well, how what's does that in work? there? Right, it's like, 
It's it like Close Encounters of the Third it's like that. It's like that Honeywell building on the corner of, of 19th and Deer Valley. I want what's in there. I know. You want to know. And the man, I'll tell you, they started gathering around, looking at it like, ooh, wow. Hey. So, you should have never done that. <laughs> so, I go, hey, let's go. Never mind. But now he got to, his biggest business is fixing x-ray metal detectors. You know, all that. I mean, look at all the places you you have to go. You have to go through those things. Any government building now. Any government building. Obviously, we know about the airport, the sporting events. I mean, so a lot of places, the schools have them. Yeah, Craig, you know him. He's at some radio here. So he's uh, he's flying all around. He's everywhere. He was up in Canada a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's, when they break, you got to fix them. So, of course, he glows. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been talking about the death of cash. Yes. Now, again, how can they take cash, $1.7 billion in a plane, and we can't do anything over $10,000? And now you look at... Uh, I mean, you're right. You know, there there are some businesses. I actually saw, what's the Papa Murphy's Pizza? I actually was at a Papa Murphy's Pizza that they said, we no longer accept $100 bills on the cash register. Well, I've never seen anything like I, that. You're I, either in business or you're not. I'm going to tell you right now, and, and I didn't get to it, and I apologize for that, but there are now stores that won't accept cash of any kind. You can't even go in there with $5, $10. You have to pay either with your credit card or with your phone. Wow. Patriot Radio News Hour. It's Friday. Smoke them if you got them and leave the driving to us. We'll be back after these messages. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Mrs. Schlafly is a constitutional attorney, pro-family leader, and author of 25 books, including the best-selling A Choice, Not an Echo. And now, here's the founder of Eagle Forum, Phyllis Schlafly. When Donald Trump picked Indiana Governor Mike Pence as his running mate, the media had a field day unearthing Pence's past statements and votes that seemed to disagree with his running mate's positions. On issues such as free trade agreements, some of Pence's past views seem closer to those of Speaker Paul Ryan than his new running mate. But on one of Trump's signature issues, his opposition to resettling Muslim refugees from Syria, the Indiana governor took Trump-style executive action even before Trump's position was clear. Way back in November, Governor Pence suspended state payments to the agencies that profit from redistribution of tax money to refugees from Syria. Pence took this decisive action after we learned that at least one of the Muslim terrorists who massacred 130 people in Paris, France, had slipped into this country by posing as a Syrian refugee. For acting to protect Indiana and U.S. citizens, Pence was sued by one of those agencies that spends tax money to resettle refugees. On February 29th, an Obama-appointed federal judge named Tanya Pratt blocked Pence's order on the absurd basis that he was discriminating against Syrian refugees because of their national origin. Governor Pence appealed the Obama judge's decision. While some claim that our government spends 
two years vetting Muslim refugees for terrorist sympathies. Pence clarified that while a resettlement process usually takes 18 to 24 months, the surge operation will reduce the time to three months. Contrary to the media's Twitter fixation, Pence and Trump are both on the same page on Muslim refugees. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Eagle Forum. If you also believe immigrants to the U.S. should come here legally, be free from disease, learn English, obey our laws, and respect their visas, then write Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. For more about immigration, that's Eagle Forum Radio, Alton, Illinois, 62002. Or go online to eagleforum.org. And join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. Great day to be alive. I'm Eric Sederstrom sitting in with Joe Jenkins. Thanks for allowing us into your lives today. You heard the, uh, well, the monologue, Phyllis Schlafly monologue. Of course, she passed away this week. What a great, great patriot. I had no idea that uh, that she was really as famous as she was. The, the Eagle Forum, I mean, there's been a lot of uh, uh, people uh, address her death that I've heard up and down the airwaves and on the television and May she rest in peace. What a great patriot, a great, great conservative and uh, family, you know, the, the the nuclear family, for lack of better words, that this country used to represent. And she did her best to hold it all together and point out the issues. And you'll get, for the rest of this month, uh, how, how Phyllis did it is at the end of August, she would do, and let's just say September was, you know, 22 Monday through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's 22 of them in the month. She would do 22 snippets, and I always thought that maybe she did them day to day because she was so current on what she was talking about. But she did them all, a month at a time. So once September ends, I'm not sure what, what they're going to do. Right. I don't know if somebody from Eagle Forum is going to replace her. Um, if they're going to continue to have that little snippet at the at the end of the half hour there, um, and Ramon's trying to find out that information. As soon as we have that, we'll share it with everybody. She, yeah, she was always addressing, you know, the the liberal court system and how they'll do anything to get the dad out of the house. He's gone, you know, turn him into deadbeat dads. Make make uh, child support payments that they can't ever possibly make. Split up the families, which is part of the socio socioeconomic destruction of this country. And and she addressed it just better than anybody. So the uh, feminazis that run the thing is they're probably sleeping better than I know that she's gone. One eight hundred nine five one zero five nine two cash coming to an end. It's almost impossible to use it in some places, but uh, unless you're uh, you know paying off hostages, and I I don't know where this is going to go. But there's never been a country in the history uh, of well history. In, in, in any country that's paid off their debt, not one. Well, you know what's so funny? So the uh, Kenneth Rogoff, the guy that is has the book out talking about getting rid of cash. It's so funny because the the first section he he gives in, in everyone's version of the history of of cash or fiat money, paper money uh, varies, but he he gives his version of it and how it started. Uh, with Kublai Khan in China and then the Ming Dynasty and all these examples that he gives. And you know the funniest part was they all end the same way. Always The last sentence is always, 
And then that currency became worthless. And it was replaced by this currency. Right. And then that currency, the last, you know, and he goes on, blah, 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 and it was traded here and there and there. Oh, and then that currency became worthless. Well, people forget we've already defaulted on our debt once. And if you don't believe me, go find a silver certificate. It says this note is payable when uh, in silver. You can actually go trade it for a silver dollar. It was interchangeable. And then they couldn't do that anymore, the government Ponzi scheme. And then you got a little bag of 720 grains of silver, literally. Take a silver certificate, swap it for a bag of unrefined silver. And now you take it down, try to swap it for anything, you'll be on the 5 o'clock news. <laughs> Somebody showed up here with a bunch of silver certificates trying to trade them for silver. We called security on them. Ah, oh, it's a great day to be alive. You look at... Uh, Ten year. Let me see. Let's see. Ten year anniversary of Lehman Brothers. Is that right? The crash. Eight years. I'm eight sorry. Days. Eight Not years. Ten yet. Yeah. Eight, 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 eight years of the Lehman Brothers went that out. That was of today. Today. So nobody's talking about well, that. I, I didn't see it anywhere. That's. Start- I didn't know that because I didn't see it anywhere. That started a vicious economic cycle that uh, that culminated. You know, gold hit its top. Gold hit its top August 2011. And the real estate markets hit their bottom. If you, you know want, that? you know what? Let me tell you. You want to call it coincidence or call it master planning. But if you read the creature from Jekyll Island, you go out to allamericangold.com. You can order the book right there. You can absolutely. You can cool. You go out. You can get that book and you read about the the meeting at Jekyll Island with all you know the Rockefellers and all these guys and the Warburgs, and they trace the lineage to these banks. And Lehman Brothers was not part of the Illuminati. These guys came after the fact. and So they were the only brokerage, major brokerage, that they let fail. Correct. Right. They let them fail. The rest got bailed out. Every household name got bailed out. But if you look at economic cycles, of course, that was eight years ago today, which triggered a cycle that, you know, Wall Street, they instantly bailed out. The Dow went to 7,000, 6,700, and made a flying V, and it recovery to 10. And by the way, there's never been a market in history that never retested its bottom, that retained a bull market. Never, never. So now you look at the real estate markets, and it's so weird. August 2011 was their exact bottom. And that was gold's exact high. And then, of course, this is where the massive stimulus, one, two, three, four, finally, whatever it was, QE3, I think, went into effect. And what happened was, is as Wall Street rallied, the elite made so much money, they started buying homes in the Hamptons at pennies on the dollar. They started buying up real estate in Scottsdale, Arizona, Florida. They started doing it because they got bailed out. They did not lose a penny. And, and when Eric says they bought it, they didn't buy a vacation home. They were buying all of it. homes by the thousand. So, now if you're a believer in seven-year economic cycles, which kind of, you know, you look at it, there's the bottom here for that. That means, now somebody pointed out, if you go to uh, CNBC Market Watch today, there's an indice that nobody's watching that uh, was just forecasted just before Lehman's closing. Just before. It started, this index started to fall, and nobody paid any attention to it, and then everything collapsed behind it. 
And, of course, it took a while, it took a year or so of this index falling before everything started to, to fall. It's a transportation index. Which is getting hammered. Which is now getting hammered. Now, By the way, Dow's down about 250. So if you're in a seven-year cycle and you're in an eight-year, so you got eight years, because things just don't happen. It takes a while. So that would make sense. Now the transportation is rolled over, the equity markets roll over, and then you would see the real estate bottom of 2011 rolling in now a seven-year cycle into 2018, and you've got a crash. So the way we're looking at it now is you've got about 14 months until everything cycles again. That's just based on the seven-year theory, if you're a chartist and a a fundamentalist just looks at it that it should have never recovered. So now they're talking about raising interest rates. So Wall Street was down 100. How long, I told my wife this morning, I go, how long can they continue to put this trade mantra out? How long? Okay? Can it keep going? Well, think about it, right? The Russians and the Saudis are going to get together for the cap of oil, right? That story's played out like 300 times right. this year. The Feds are going to raise interest rates sometimes, eventually, data, something or other. 300 times this year. And then the news comes out and it's horrible. And Wall Street rallies because the Fed can't raise interest rates. Nothing about any business fundamentals. People hiring, firing, you know, making money. Oh, we don't watch that. That's the old economy. Patriot Radio News Hour hitting you with a big dose of common sense on this Friday. Stay with us if you can take it. We'll see you. Hey, dumber than a stick and uglier than a mud fence. And yeah, you're right, Clark. The lights are not twinkling on and off. Eric Cedarstrom and Joe Jake went on a Friday. Just here living the dream. Talk about living the dream. Biden, Joe Biden's going to Disneyland today. Of course, you know, he was here for the when they had that terrible tragedy of the firefighters up in Yarnell. And, you know, when the vice president comes to town, they shut all the roads. They actually shut I-17, shut Highway 69. They're going to shut the 405 freeway. What? Yeah, today, so he can go to Disneyland. This is what the country's turned into. Well, why not? He has a train station named after Right. <laughs> Get out of the way. Oh, Biden's here. I didn't know that. Yeah, let me miss all my appointments, and let's stop, you know, I don't know, $150 million of GDP reduction in California for an hour while he goes to Disneyland. I mean, he's going for a good cause, for cancer. You know, his son died of cancer. I'm not talking about that, so don't send me hate mail. I'm just saying, really, you need to shut the freeways. It's a world we, we've turned into, though. So, just crazy, crazy world we live in. You see, August 23rd, I don't know if any of you people saw this. You talk about echoes of the Great Depression and, and market cycles. The USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, put in emergency uh, provisions for the purchase of 11 million pounds of cheese. Cheese. The farmers are in duress. Yeah, the highest they don't want to surplus tell you that. in 30 years. No, bad. It's, it's bad. The highest surplus of cheese on the market in 30 years. Now, it's the same thing they do with the oil market. It's the same thing. The government stock markets, don't tell me they don't have their hands in everything. So rather than let cheese go to whatever, I don't know, a quarter a pound, dump all the stuff, you know, instead they subsidize it, they buy it up, and makes it more expensive. The same thing they may do with gasoline. The same thing they do with the equity markets. They make everything more expensive with the illusion of prosperity. How about this one? Dairy farm revenue fell 35% in two years, in less than 24 months across the board. And across the board. Dairy, cattle, corn, soybean. Obviously, we, we... 
We're, we're seeing all of this unfold. They don't talk about it. They don't want you to know about it. They want you to pretend that it doesn't exist. They want you to believe in this great economic recovery where apparently uh, working-age males no longer work in this country. We haven't seen this level of, of working-age men not working since the Great Depression. Man, I'll tell you, it's just amazing the dichotomy that of, of information and trying to hypothesize and, and protect your financial wherewithal and the things that you've worked for your whole life and, and just trying to stay mentally in the game. It's tough, tough, tough. The misinformation is flying everywhere. They also have introduced, if you're, if you're a farmer, we have a lot of people who listen to us uh, via the Internet uh, through the heartland of this country. If you're, if you're struggling, they have, the USDA has put together a margin protection plan, and you have till December 16th to sign up for it. And what it is is it will protect your profits against the price of milk and feed, against wherever the price of milk costs, against your feed costs. Did you know that? So, Didn't so know yeah, that. so you can maintain your margin, your profit margin. They will reimburse you for that margin error if you sign up by December. Can 16th. I sign up for that program? Wouldn't that be nice? You know what's funny? I, uh, you know, I'm not. When I was a kid, when I met my wife 30 years ago, I was in my 20s, and uh, her father being a farmer, and they had they had a couple of years that were tough. And I said, why don't you just you know get on? Because I heard the people talking in town when I was working in the mill up there about you know getting on. Uh, uh, USDA programs, you know, crop insurance programs where, you know, if you don't grow it or they'll pay you not to grow, you know, they still have all these depressionary things. And I did a little research and, and I said, you know, Dad, why don't, you, why don't you do that? You know, maybe that'll help you. And he goes, nope. He goes, once you take one thing from them, then you got to take everything from Listen, them. And this is just my personal opinion. You know, the the small farmers are few and far between anymore. Now, you, a lot of these, there are these massive conglomerates, and it's essentially just a big slush fund. Yes, there are small farmers out there that, yes, they do get some help be, uh, from this, but let's face it, how do, why do they need the help? Because, let's face it, all these huge mega conglomerates have taken over everything. Yep, once you let them in once, man, it's just a matter of time till there's money missing off the dresser. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up yesterday, a bushel of corn was $6. You wake up the next day, and it's 3 Yeah, isn't that crazy? So anyway, yeah, if you take government help, never forget that. Because then you have them give them access to your ranch. You know what I mean? They they can come and go, do anything they want, dictate water usage. They can do anything. i got to tell you right now, it's crazy. They're uh... He's a smart man. So. The right or wrong, the Red River in Texas, between Texas and Oklahoma, uh, the Bureau of Land Management trying to grab more land from farmers that have, you know, in this case, the farmers actually own the land, pay taxes on the land, and they're just in there saying, nope, we need it. Stars. Well, the water wars are going to start any day now, so they already kind of have. They had some rain, some snow runoff. Lake Mead, the droppage there kind of subsided a little, but they have made new water tunnels down oh, yeah. at all-time record lows. And once we get to that, once at which, you know, probably the, the paper said about 18 months, the water guys, once we go into emergency rationing, you know who they shut off first? They're not going to shut off Las Vegas water parks, you know, where they got, they're using gazillions of gallons a minute over right. there. In and July. Las Vegas, by the way, they're the biggest user, I think, of Lake Mead. Oh, it's just unbelievable. And the water parks everywhere. You know, it's 123 degrees on any given hot July day, and you look up and down the strip, and they've all been turned into water parks. And Lake Mead's dropping at record levels. Who are they going to shut off? The farmers in California. That's who they're shutting off. The water's going to go to Vegas, and it ain't going to go any farther. 
Well, he gets down to the Imperial Valley there. I mean, Who is the farmer, the evildoer in that? I know. You'd think it'd be opposite. Well, you know, maybe we should shut down the uh, sinners, the gamblers, right. and the, you know, what happens in Vegas stays Do in Do they Vegas. really all need to have mega fountains out in front of their resorts? Well, the, the great commodity super cycle that's just coming in 2018, coupled with hyperinflation, which is what you're going to see, where a, a head of lettuce is going to be, it's going to make, you know, uh, going to make a gallon of oil look really cheap. <laughs> the dairy farmers are going to do better? Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't worry about them. A gallon of milk should be about $140. Again, though, what's it going to cost them to produce that gallon? What's it going to cost them to feed? Yeah, they're going to have to cover the margin. you got till December 16th to sign up to get in on this year's program. Patriot Radio News Hour, Joe Jaquin, Eric Segerstrom. 20 plus years, two decades, just cheering you guys up, making your day. We're going to come back for one more segment. Stay with us. We appreciate it. We'll see you here. Welcome back. Final segment. Thank you uh, for listening today. We really appreciate it. You know, it turns out that if you're in uh, Silicon Valley and you're over 40, nobody wants you. (laughs) Apparently 40 now in the tech age, you're, uh, uh, you're now a geezer. You're 65 or 67 and a half or in, whatever the retirement age in, is. In tech years, yeah. What a guy, what did Doug tell us? The uh, one year online with a computer is 21 people years. So if you've been online with your computer for three years, it's now the equivalent of a 60-year-old man because it's had so much stuff. You know, one more year, it's 80, it's gone. They don't make it four years. So I thought that was interesting, you know, dog years, computer years, but... Yeah, they did an article today. If you're 40 years old and you're not going to get hired at Google, you're not going to get hired at Facebook, or you're not going to get any, anywhere. They don't want you. So you're now the, become the old geezer. So, and um, I got to tell you that uh, you know I have a chance now where I get to listen up and down the dial and listen to different opinions and and things. You know, we work hard here. We've always tried to get you the best product, the best news, so you can make the best decisions and. Just be careful what's out there. I hear so many things that are that are going on. You know, you use gold when you put away gold, ladies and gentlemen. Gold has been something that protects your purchasing power and has proven it throughout history. Gold was a monetary metal. It's what we backed our currency with. It's what every country originally backed their currency with. And now, of course, it's uh, they try to view it as a commodity. And and silver is a uh, industrial metal. And even though it's had a monetary application throughout the years in silver dollars, nothing has outperformed gold. I mean, if you have a silver dollar and it doubled to two, and then it doubled again to four, and then it doubled again to eight, and then to $16, and then it doubled again to $32, that's equivalent to $800 gold, percentage-wise, if you go from a $20 gold piece and a silver dollar. So, as you can see, it hasn't kept pace with gold. Gold's a monetary metal that will allow you to purchase today what you could buy years ago, and this is why you hold it. Now, the AARP did a whole story about watch out for the evil coin guys, and I agree with them. I mean, they're talking about pitching rare coins, you know, and we don't do not do that here. You want to get the material put away that's legal, lawful tender. Do not buy secondary individual minted coins. Okay, don't buy them from companies that make their own rounds, and they make their own little, they have their little company name on them, and they go, oh, yeah, these are real rare, and they try to charge you. Don't. Stay with U.S. legal tender. Article 1, Section 10 of the U.S. Mint made it, and it has gold and silver. That is what you handle. Do you go into the upper-end collectible market? Is it paid off for people? Yes. Do, you, should, do we recommend it? No. 
unless you know what you're doing. I mean, we have people calling here all the time. I'm looking for a, you know, a seven-tail feather MS-63, you know, and, and, and the cheese people up the street want 82 grand for it. And I go, yeah, great, I'll sell it to you for 55000 if you want it. I'll take it. You know, if you're shopping and you're putting together collections, by all means, call us. Because all we handle is the same certified material, and we can save you a fortune. But if you're looking to put away a, a portfolio, you want to stay as incremental as possible. And when we build portfolios, we build them for people with the idea that you're going to have to use these things. And if not you, your children are going to have to use them or your grandchildren. And you want to have incrementality. So you hold gold to protect stock portfolios. You hold gold to protect wealth because it's portable. You put a hundred grand into gold, you can put it in your pocket and go out the door. You put a hundred grand in silver, go down to the Dodge dealer and spend another fifty grand because you're going to need a pickup to haul it with. So we're going to run out of time here. But anyway, give us a call if you're thinking about doing it. We can help you. We've helped thousands and thousands and thousands without a complaint. Ever. God bless you all. Have a great weekend. Go Cardinals. Thanks.